Well, here we are. Forty days of Lent, and now we've reached the Paschal mystery to celebrate once again, but all anew. Tonight, as, we, our, as our prayerful focus turns to the Paschal events, we begin on Holy Thursday by watching quietly and attentively the actions our Savior, of our Savior per the, per the narrative of St. John. As the celebration of the Last Supper deals centrally with the institution of the Holy Eucharist, our hearts probably anticipate the readings of Jesus offering the first Mass, the words that we heard so beautifully read from St. Paul in the, second, in the second reading. The words of consecration being uttered for the first time, perhaps pondering the apostles as the first of communicants, trying to picture what it was like in that very moment. However, it is not that record that we receive from the evangelist. In fact, if you go and review the contents of St. John's Gospel, you'll notice that he doesn't include an account of the first Mass as do Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Unlike, he's the only Gospel where you will not find the words of institution, the words of you know, Jesus giving and consecrating bread and wine into his you know, flesh and blood and distributing it to his apostles. He is the only gospel to do that, but, you know, I suppose you could say, while not trying to repeat what has already been said, perhaps another perspective is due. He's not trying to escape that central portion of our celebration, but perhaps give us some new light. Instead of recounting the Eucharistic feast, St. John hones in on Jesus' demonstration that night of Eucharistic living itself. You could say that by narrating this moment of the washing of the feet, the Gospel writer contributes vivid detail to the ancient hymn authored by St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, which we've heard time and again throughout the year. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You find the first stages of that, the first glimpses of that in this washing gesture. You could say that St. John borrows directly from this inspiration that St. Paul writes in his letter by, when uh, St. John writes tonight, you know, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. In other words, completely conscious of who he is, being holy son of the Father and possessing rightful claim to the entire cosmos of eternity, having all right to all dignity, he lowers himself to the humblest of positions, to the humblest and lowest of tasks. It's, if you know, uh, remember something about St. John, you know, this, you know, kind of the global context of St. John's writings and what we know of what the apostles and the other gospels say of St. John, it's, it's a blessing to uh, return to this story of the washing included in the overall Paschal narrative. It's very telling that St. John would include it because it was probably a very healthy lesson for he himself to learn. 
The passage uh, says a lot about all generations of Christians, but he himself probably valued that moment in extraordinary ways. If you remember, St. John and his brother James were at least listed amongst the other, uh, within the other Gospels as very opportunistic with Jesus. As Matthew and Mark, uh, or at least as Mark recounts, you know, in the, uh, his 10th chapter, both James and John were you know, the followers who approached Jesus and requested from him you know, positions of prominence in the new kingdom. Actually, in, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, it's, it's their mother who actually approaches and, you know, the, you know, to probably uh, get a more t- a tender approach in, in the uh, petition. You know, they have their mother go and ask for it the, herself. And if you remember in that moment, this, you know, Jesus you know, g- gives them the initial teaching what he, of what he exemplifies in this washing that happens tonight. At that moment when they made the request, he said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. You do not know of what you speak. And he continues to say to the rest of the followers, you know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By stooping to the feet of each apostle and washing their feet, Jesus is assuming a task exclusively completed by the household servant or the slave, thus fulfilling the instruction he had already given so much earlier. And by removing his outer garment prior to that washing, you could say that he is stressing by deed that the role of service to one another is a condition for life, not simply an occasional gesture we share. For he didn't say to them, act servantly to all, but rather become the slave of all. In other words, it's like Jesus is saying to them and us, the Eucharist, I share with you is not an occasional oasis from the journey, but it is the journey itself that must consume you. He summons his followers not to treat each other as brother and sister or neighbor on occasion, but to become those very relationships themselves. If this is truly one and the same flesh we share in, we must see each other as one and the same blood relation. St. John and his brother James we know to be very ambitious followers. We would be foolish, I think, if we didn't think that the attitudes, their attitudes, you know, at least earlier on in their discipleship, still run fluently amongst Christian followers today, and it's a bit of a temptation for everyone in all walks of life. It's an attitude that can easily interrupt or upset God's plans he wishes to fulfill through each of us. If we are to be accomplished followers, however, we must adhere to that instruction these original followers heard from the Master himself. As I have washed your feet, so you must wash the feet of each other. Our Lord summons us all in renewed ways to become the servant of 
or the surrendering missionary in ordinary life. Not simply to imitate it in a kind of volunteering spirit. A wise man once told me, and it's, that's a, less, uh, a lesson, a saying that's kind of um, interwoven through a lot of my, my prayer. It's a, it's a reminder that I've returned to quite frequently. He's, he said to me, do you know the difference between a volunteer and a missionary? He said that the volunteer will go where he or she knows they will be appreciated. The missionary will go where he or she knows they will not be. He also said, this is what we need in the spirit of Christian discipleship today. We have many volunteers, but not so many missionaries. We can often, you know, coat or color our, our Christian journeys like, um, like James and John in their early, early stages, but remaining strictly ambitious to being possessors instead of being ambitiously possessed. That is the ambition we should all have. To become the slave of all means literally to be possessed by each and every one of us that surround us. Not to see what we can achieve, but what others can achieve in God's gospel by our assistance, by our Eucharistic living. That is the Eucharistic, that is the Eucharistic story that St. John tells us, and it's one that we appropriately return to every single year. Every Holy Thursday, we return to that same narrative of the washing of feet. And every single year, we must go back out to wash the feet of others. Let's take courage once again, proceed in these Paschal days, these, this triduum with great joy, but with poise and a sense of purpose that our Master has given us. Thanks be to God.